My name is DJ Dairy. My name is MC Milkman. Welcome to a show rich in calcium entitled Milk. <laughs> That's right, 100% milk. That's right. Whole milk! I don't think we've got any tracks about semi-skimmed, actually. But... I hope not. <laughs> half and half. Half milk, <laughs> half... Hmm, what? I don't know. What is it? It's not milk, is it? We know that. <laughs> full fat, ladies right. and gentlemen, full fat. Oh, yes. In between all that, we do, of course, have MC Milkman and his unnecessary news. Milk is a pale liquid produced by the mammary glands of mammals. Mm. It is the primary source of nutrition for infant mammals before they are able to digest other types of food, like biscuits. Early lactation milk contains colostrum, which carries the mother's antibodies to its young and can reduce the risk of many diseases. And that's what we're doing for you. Think of this show as mother's milk, carrying musical gems to you listeners. Unless you're lactose intolerant, in which case you're out of luck. Click stop now, because it's going to get milky. We are going to start by making the only concession to the lactose intolerant. This is the milk of the coconut. It doesn't all come from mammals. The whole thing has <laughs> fallen apart, the first hurdle. <laughs> oh, well. Never mind. This is the great Afro-Cuban conga player, Mongo Santa Maria. Mongo, I forgive you. This is a wonderful track of his own composition called Coconut Milk.
the lo-fi exuberance of the Go Team there with a track from their second album. That's called Milk Crisis. I hope you kept yourself together during that crisis. I was running around chasing after my tail. I just do that. Wonderful stuff. That was the Go Team there um, from Brighton. Proof yes. of Youth was the album that was from. And this was part of a special edition. Japan special edition. I think it was just every special edition, but anyway, yes. Tasty. And that was from 2007. But on that very same album, they do a rather lovely version of a theme to ITV Music for Schools and Colleges, My World. Written by Alan Parker, a great giant of the lively mm. music world. Another good reason to seek that album yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. They're still going, they're still producing pop-tastic albums. And before oh, that, yes. Mongo Santa Maria with Coconut Milk. <sighs> Jazzy. Mm. You're listening to Project Moonbase, a show you can download from projectmoonbase.com. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And of course, tell people. When you finish listening to this, I want you to make your eyes stare a thousand yards and then walk out into the street, marching purposefully <laughs> until you see the next person with a dog and then kneel down and whisper into the dog's ear, Project Moonbase, the historic sound of the future. Maybe for this week's show, you could make a milkshake and then sprinkle the word. Well, hold on a minute. Yeah. Cats like milk. I mean, that is the flaw with this whole <laughs> subject. I wasn't going to bring it up. I don't want you carrying around sources of milk trying to attract cats to listen to our show because they're terrible creatures. We all know that. Don't do that, listeners. Although logically, that would make a lot more sense. But let's just gloss over that. Now it's time for a lovely piece of chip tune from Pixel 8, who I don't actually think is making chip tune music anymore. We can still get his music on Bandcamp. This is from an album called The Boy with the Digital Heart. Every note, every drum beat, every sound on this album is programmed from scratch and performed on devices such as the Game Boy, the NES, the Sega Game Gear, the BBC Micro, even the ZX Spectrum, dear listener. We are going to play a wonderful track from the album called Chocolate Milk.
Pixelate with his um, cupboard full of ancient electronic equipment. <laughs> and that was Chocolate Milk. You can actually watch Pixelate performing that very track mm. on the YouTube, busking away. If you go to projectmoomiss.com, we will post that very video so you can peruse this uh, performance. It's a lovely video, but it's quite low-key. not initially obvious that he's busking. He just looks like he's leaning against the wall playing, playing on his Game Boy. But anyway, it's... it's That's <laughs> the best kind of busking. <laughs> you're not sure you're watching a guy like, is That's that right. busking or yeah. is he is he okay what's happening yeah. <laughs> that's the way i like it we will be returning with a commercial break but before that it's time to squeeze the teat of unnecessary news this coin could be the answer to all those pennies in your pocket Australia has a pricing problem. Many products are priced with 99 cents at the end. Despite the fact that the government does not produce a one cent coin anymore, which means that there's a lot of rounding up or awkward moments at the till. Probably a lot of staring as well, I imagine. imagine. You know, a gimlet eye meets another gimlet eye. Apparently that's all been solved by a 10-year-old named Owen. He called an Australian radio station called Triple J to suggest the powers that be create a nine-cent coin. So they decided to make one specifically for him. This is what the 10-year-old said. Pretty much every price, they're like five ninety-nine. There's no point because you don't have a nine-cent coin, he told radio hosts Veronica and Lewis. Yes, that's Veronica and Lewis. The radio DJs managed to produce a realistic nine-cent coin just for Owen, complete with Queen Elizabeth II wearing a legionnaire's hat and an Aussie meat pie on the tail side. (laughs) I'd like to see that. Sadly, the coin isn't actual legal tender, so it won't be accepted at any checkouts and probably counts as forgery, so, you know, prepare to meet uh, the full force of the Australian legal system. But they go on. We'd like to think it's a positive step towards stopping us ending up with a pocket full of pennies. Except there are no pennies. No. It's the problem of ending up with a pocket of virtual pennies or being <laughs> tormented by the ghosts of pennies that you never received. Right. I know, it's existential, listeners. Two things. One, this proves your average 10-year-old has more sense than your average government official. And two, <laughs> don't these people have debit cards? I mean, who's carrying a load of coins around? That's very true. There is, of course, another solution to this, perhaps less practical, which is you could just buy 10 of everything. Well, not everyone's as rich as you, <laughs> Moon Pope. I know you're rolling around in your piles of gold and silver coins. Yes, well, that's true. But the rest of us can't afford ten of everything. <laughs> a company creates the world's first remote control for dogs. This is a British company. Good. Dog owners feeling guilty for leaving their pets alone at home for too long will soon be able to take comfort in the fact that they can abandon them forever <laughs> to a remote control. No, the, the, their animals at least won't be bored. They'll be too busy changing TV channels and enjoying their favourite shows thanks to the world's first dog-friendly remote control. Pet food brand WAG surveyed a number of pet owners and found that 91% of respondents said their canine friends regularly watch TV with them. Inspired by this, the company teamed up with Ilara Hiriski-Douglas. She is an expert in animal computer interaction design at the University of Central Lancashire. That's a pretty niche job. This is the first time I've ever heard of animal-computer interaction, and it might be her first job, who knows? Sounds like quite a good gig if you get that. It does, actually. I imagine there's a lot of off-time, a lot of holes. They're creating the world's first remote control for dogs. They came up with a prototype for the device, which is currently in trial. 
The oversized remote, it's about the size of a surfboard. The oversized remote is made of waterproof hard-wearing plastic, so while pooches can chew on it, like any other toy, they'll have a tough time actually causing any damage. It has three large raised paw-friendly buttons, shaped like a bone, a paw, and a ball, which the dog can press to turn the TV on or off, change the channel, and even pause a show for later. And that's pause P-A-W-S-E. Yeah, they can pause the show in case they need a break or a nap. The buttons squeak when pressed, and the device also features a hole through which a rope can be tied so dogs can carry it around the house. I mean, this sounds great, doesn't it? You're giving a dog a giant surfboard that they can drag around the house. That is not going to be irritating at all, is it? What could go wrong? Yeah. (laughs) We know that people can feel a little guilty about leaving their dogs in a room alone for a short while, whether it's to pop to the shops or cook dinner in the kitchen, said WAG spokesperson Dan Reeves. That's Dan Reeves. We wanted to create something that would keep the dog entertained and reassure owners of their well-being. How is a remote control reassuring them at all? (laughs) Does the remote control sense when the owner comes in and goes, hey, everything's fine? I suspect not. It goes on. Our studies show the average dog now watches more than nine hours of TV a week. Showing technology is already playing a huge part in our pets' lives. Ms. Douglas told the Sunday People, after WAG performs all its tests and perfects its dog-friendly TV remote control, the company plans to approach tech companies about getting the device into production. Try and get that through the letterbox. The P&P on that is going to be enormous, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little bit, yeah. So you and your dog may soon be fighting over the remote control. That's going to be fun. I don't like it. Unless it tastes like gravy, I'm not interested. I have to say, I quite like the idea of having a surfboard-sized remote control. Whether you have a dog or not. Well, <laughs> Whether you have a dog What if you've got one of those tiny little dogs like a Chihuahua? It's just going to be jumping up and down on one button, having no effect. And finally, man marries his smartphone at a Las Vegas chapel. Yes, this isn't even in Japan. Surprisingly, that's usually what's happening when somebody's marrying an object. (laughs) Yes, Yes, we've heard of people marrying pillows, we've heard of people marrying anime characters, and now somebody's marrying their smartphone. Last month, artist, oh, of course, an artist, Aaron Chervenak, drove from Los Angeles to Las Vegas to finally take the love of his life to the next level by marrying his smartphone in a small wedding chapel. And yes, in case you're wondering... He even put a ring on it. Although it doesn't say how. A study conducted by internet security company Kaspersky found that a quarter of people rank their smartphones as more or equally important to them as their parents. Let that sink in. (laughs) I'm trying to. (laughs) For a lot of us, it's the last thing we interact with before going to sleep and the first thing we check when we wake up. It's with us pretty much 24-7 and we connect with it on so many levels. We look to it for solace, to calm us down, to put us to sleep, to ease our minds. To me, that's also what a relationship is about, Erin Chervenak said. So in a sense, my smartphone has been my longest relationship. Smartphones don't usually last that long. (laughs) That's why I decided to see what it was like to actually marry a phone. Well, I'm just going to tell you what it's like. Stupid. (laughs) Couldn't he have just imagined? Why is he actually having to go through it? In order to get someone to marry him to his beloved smartphone, he had to go to the home of Bizarre Weddings, Las Vegas, and he contacted probably Elvis, I imagine. (laughs) But even Elvis wasn't interested. He contacted the owner of the little Las Vegas chapel, and he was not only okay with it, but genuinely excited. Obviously, it's a slow week. 
I'm trying to ask the hard questions of myself as to this relationship, and I'm trying to go as far as I can to explore it, the groom said. On May 20th, Aaron put on his tuxedo, took his phone, and drove to the little Las Vegas chapel in his purple Cadillac. It's all coming together, isn't it? Quite the image. (laughs) To get married. Do you think he put a little tiny veil on the top of the phone? I'd like to think so, yeah. The wedding ceremony was small but emotional, and you could see the groom was a little bit nervous when saying his speech and putting the ring on the phone. It's not yet legal to marry a smartphone. I wonder why. (laughs) What I hope my wedding will do is to somehow act as a symbolic gesture to show just how precious our phones are becoming in our daily lives and hopefully get others to ask the same question of themselves and their relationships, he said. I assume that question is, have I lost my mind? (laughs) Anyway, unfortunately, during the honeymoon, he lost his wife by dropping her into an open toilet bowl due to one too many Red Bull mm, vodkas. Still, there's always the new model. (laughs) Upgrade. (laughs) You have been used. Dissaccharide. Thank you, MC Milkman. Thank you, sir. For that matrimonial selection of news stories. There'll be more on next week's show. One, two, three, four. Down from the mountain every day, from the sky and from over the sea, comes milk from the farm, condensed in a tin, enriched with vitamin D. To make baby healthy, to better his feed, and better your coffee and tea. tune there that evokes memories of uh, a man in black inviting himself into various young ladies' bedrooms. 
in the 70s. How many people are going to pick up on that reference? <laughs> I think if a lot of our listeners will pick up I on that. I can think of one. I can actually think of one. You know who you are. <laughs> for the younger listener out there, that was uh, originally used in a very evocative uh, advert for Cadbury's Milk Tray chocolate. It's a bit of a rip-off of James Bond, isn't it? Yeah. There's a guy skiing. He's all dressed in black. He climbs up. It's nighttime. He climbs up. I was going to say he climbs up a lady's balcony. That seems like a double entendre right there, doesn't it? Not the lady's balcony. He climbs up a balcony to the lady's room. She's not there. Puts some chocos mm. on the bedside table and he puts a little card with a silhouette of himself on. Which is, I mean, at the time you'd be like, oh, how romantic. But now you'd be like, police! <laughs> A pervert has come into my room and (laughs) probably poisoned chocolates. That's right. But those were simpler times. They were. Simpler times when you could do some night skiing and give some cheap chocolates to a lady. (laughs) Nobody was bothered. Oh. And that was the soundtrack to that very activity. You couldn't get away with that now. You couldn't. You'd be in prison, listeners. You'd be in prison. That was performed by, not written by, but performed by Alan Hawkshaw, a great, uh, another great library music composer. The Hawk. But written by, I'm wondering whether it might be worth making a show all about this gentleman, Cliff Adams. Hashtag Cliff Adams, yes. Steady on. Let's put it before the orb. Praise it. Fair enough. Cliff Adams was a very prolific uh, writer of advert jingles. Not only did he write that very memorable tune, but he was also responsible for things like For Mash Get Smash, for example. Ooh, that is a classic. And also Too Good to Hurry Mints. Ooh, Murray Mints, Murray Mints, too good to hurry Mints. Listeners, I know, again, <laughs> I know who you are, For the one, one listener. listener out there who knows what the what on <laughs> earth we're talking about. What has just happened here, listeners, we've, we've been driving along the highway, yeah. and then we've just seen a turn-off. Oh, remember mm. your childhood, which no one else was privy to? <laughs> Why don't you go down this little dark alley? Just be grateful I didn't mention Spangles. Oh, crumbs. Before that, we had a track from another great uh, composer of advertising music. That was, of course... The great Barry Gray. Barry, and we heard him. We did, with a little shed-like voice at the beginning there. Hello. Uh, with an advert for farm brand milk, which, I mean, that I'm well, talking about nostalgia. That goes back even before my distant past. I don't remember farm brand milk at all, but uh, maybe we've got another listener who might remember that. <laughs> even more elderly listener. You know who you are. Remember when milk came from farms rather than agri-biz? Well, that's the other slightly mystifying thing about that jingle is he talks about milk coming down from the mountain and out of the sky, which I'm not... <laughs> Well, I know people like to draw a veil over where exactly this stuff comes from. And um, maybe this was a time before ladies were allowed to show ankle and we weren't acknowledging udders or cows or anything else. And we just imagined that milk probably rained down from clouds, milky, milky clouds. Mm. That's just the way it was in the olden days, listeners. Now, we've got a bit of education for you coming up now, dear listener. That's right. We've got a track from Korea. In fact, I think this track is from a channel about learning Korean, probably for children, I imagine. I don't know what it is, but every almost every track on this show seems to have an amazing video. This has a delightful video, does, yeah. a sort of cartoon cuteness. And I invite you listeners to listen to this song where you will learn what the Korean for milk is, because mm. this is a Korean milk song. And in fact, if you watch this video, perhaps we need to pose this as well. I don't know. <laughs> We're sick of your videos. It actually has English subtitles. It does, Anyway, enjoy this Korean milk song. Oh, yeah. 
상상은 상상하기도 싫어 싫어 우유가 제일 좋아 우유 만져 M.I.L.K. 또 M.I.L.K. 영어로 밀크 어, 우유 공부하다 한잔 게임하다 한잔 항상 내 곁엔 어, 우유 우유는 우유병에 먹어야 될맛 신선한 우유만이 진짜 우유야 우유 먹고 튼튼해져 얼른 자라서 
Possibly the most frenetic song ever written about drinking milk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have to say, I actually found that rather terrifying when I first heard that. That was Hatsune Miku, who we have featured on the show before, with a Japanese take on how you should be drinking milk called Gunyu no Me. Yeah. Well, in fact, it's called Gunyu no Me, You Should Drink Milk, but the actual translation of it from Google Translate is Because of Milk. <laughs> which I, I don't know why, but I find that even more amusing. <laughs> it's, it's a take-no-prisoners approach to the consumption of milk, isn't it, really? But I like it. I know um, some listeners may object to artificial vocalists, but I don't. Mm. And in fact, this vocalist is not only uh, computerised in terms of the, the voice, but also has a sort of visual anime-style avatar, which I think turned up on one of David Letterman's last talk shows, mm. possibly causing him to resign. <laughs> <laughs> from the show and end his career there. <laughs> it's strange because this is from Japan and they have a rather complex relationship with milk because mm. they don't metabolize it, do they? Oh. You know, they don't they don't drink a lot of milk. They don't eat a lot of cheese. No. Over there. It's quite hard to get cheese, I believe. Apparently it's impossible to get cheese in Japan, or very, very, very difficult. I found out about this on Abroad in Japan, which is an amusing YouTube channel about an English person who lives in Japan and does quite a bit of complaining about how he can't get any cheese. <laughs> So it's, it's hell if you like cheese. But I remember years ago hearing about this thing about they couldn't sell cheese to Japan because cheese wheels aren't an exact weight from one to the other because, you know, of temperature and other weirdness. There's a slight variation, and this somehow irritated the Japanese. Yeah. I'm sure it would even out over many cheese wheels. I'm sure it would do, yeah. But I think maybe they only wanted one, mm. you know, because they just don't eat that much of it. But anyway, listeners, let us know how you feel. Should we stick to fully human artists from now on, or are we just embracing the virtual fully? We will be returning with a bit of dunking, actually, a bit of light dunking. But before that, it's time for... Thing of the Week! Now, we've got a real treat for you this week, dear listener. Possibly the tiniest thing of the week we've ever had. Pocket-sized. This is the Litchfield's UHT semi-skimmed milk portion. Mm. (laughs) And how many millilitres is in that portion? Well, each portion contains 12 millilitres of milk. Mm. And how many portions are there? 120. 120. Individual portions. That's right. And UHT. Now, I don't know if this travels around the world, what the meaning of UHT, (laughs) but it's um, it's ultra-heat-treated. I assume probably what you're thinking is, why would you do that? Why would you ultra-heat treat it <laughs> so it lasts forever? That's listeners. right. So if you've got an unsuccessful cafeteria, <laughs> you can buy these and just keep using them forever. Mm. You know, let's say you are Japanese and you own a cafe in Japan and you never use milk. You just buy these and then they'll last a decade. Mm. And what's great is they come in a tiny pot. If you're not familiar with them, if you go to cafes in the UK, you might receive this tiny cuplet filled with milk and it has a tiny tab on and it's resistant to your touch so that as you try to rip it off you can spill the entire contents that's 12 millimeters of treated milk into your lap or if you're lucky you can squirt it and fire it directly into your eye it's uh, fun for all the family and the thing about 12 millimeters of milk is it's just enough to really make a mess (laughs) and it's still milky so it still smells rancid Mm. even if it's not that's right It's also not quite enough for a cup of tea. (laughs) That's right. It's too much when it's on your trousers, but not enough when it's in your cup of tea. Yeah. Not for a gentleman. Now, this item has got over 100 customer reviews on the Amazon page. The first one of which is absolutely fantastic. Five stars. We have these along with the full-fat version in work for our conference room. They are kept next to the coffee (laughs) machine and are given to visitors such as auditors, inspectors... (laughs) 
interview candidates, lecturers, and we also use them ourselves when we run out of milk or if we have meetings, presentations, courses, etc. <laughs> held in the conference room. <laughs> this person is a genius. And hold on, this person is goes by the name of PPS076. I'm going to start following this person. <laughs> it goes on as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Each product is presented in a 12ml carton format and has a removable sealed lid. We find them to be easy to open and seem to provide enough milk for each person, although the weaker tea or coffee drinkers like to add two. Weaker? I object to this. <laughs> I, I strike this man from the book of life. How dare you, sir? That's amazing. Followed up by two one-star reviews, though. Oh, no. <laughs> One of which says, opened three milks and they looked off. How can they possibly be off? They never go off. It's impossible <laughs> that these could go off. They've been sterilised. That's impossible. Mm. It will never go off. Should the apocalypse happen, <laughs> we know there'll be cockroaches and um, tax inspectors with armfuls of UHD semi-skinned milk. <laughs> Prompt service, very handy product. Saves having to buy fresh milk daily. <laughs> Very, very true. So, listeners, if you enjoy milk, but only in very, very small quantities, then this is the product for you. And I think that just about wraps it up for... Thing of the Week! Welcome back from the galactic space udder. <laughs> Very strange sound there of I kicked a cloud once. And that track was called Milk and Cookies. And uh, it's uh, very twinklesome. And it reminds me of that other track we played not that long ago that uh, we said bypassed the centres of uh, taste. Mm, yeah. You know, the, the Japanese one. Mm. 
It's, it's similarly kind of squidgy and uh, kind of you feel like you've been whisked away into mm. some to be involved in something that perhaps you shouldn't. <laughs> in this case, experimental beats. That's right. And there's, um, of course, there is no information on Bandcamp from this <laughs> particular artist other than he resides in Berlin, Germany. That's it. So we've got our usual German involved in the show, and but uh, very, very laid back, wasn't it? An unctuous German track. And that was from an album called Bedroom Space Era, which is quite nice. All he says is, I had to clean up my SoundCloud, so here's a free album and all the deleted tracks. Thanks oh, for the support. Very generous. There we go. Very nice, isn't it? So mm. if you go to projectmemiss.com, you can find a link to that and all the other tracks that we play on the show. Mm. Now, we'll be shortly having a bit of Swedish chip tune for you, dear listener. <laughs> but first of all, we're going to have a little delightful little miniature. This comes from a Japanese band called uh, Capsule, uh, their fourth album. And uh, the track we're going to play is called Milk Tea Time, Nojikan. But this album actually also features a track that would be covered by a show favourite, Kiaryu Pamu Pamu. There is a connection, yeah, because Kari Pamu Pamu's music is produced by musician Yasutaka Nakata of Capsule. So that's the connection. Although this really doesn't sound anything like her stuff at all, but no. their later stuff <laughs> their later stuff does. Mm. So it's similarly kind of technological wizardry, but this is all rather low-key yes. in a rather pleasant way. This is Capsule with Milk Tea Noji Can.
That was a little three for the price of one there, uh, but that last track being, as we said, a bit of Swedish chip tune from a band called Mega Neko. Quite feisty stuff. Feisty. Quite feisty stuff. Mm. Um, with a track of theirs called Milkshake. Uh, I think initially I felt we had to include a cover version of Khaleesi's uh, Milkshake. And so both yeah. myself and MC Milkman hunted high and low for a, a decent cover of it. I think the problem is that none of them are better than the original. <laughs> I think true. that's the snag. That's true. So we found another Milkshake instead, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that comes from an album called Boy IRL, Girl URL. So it came out last year. You can get that on their Bandcamp page. Links to all the tracks, of course, on projectmoonbase.com slash milk. Again, I feel like it's incumbent upon me to say, why haven't we done milk before? Yeah, I know. You know? Amazing. Do you think this should be the first in a collectible series of dairy-themed shows? <laughs> well, the thing is, at one point, milk was just milk. Now it's the milky hand of corporate milk or something. I don't know. Big milk. <laughs> Big milk. We're not promoting that. What about Big cheese? What other liquids should we do shows about or beverages, listeners? Yes. You know, we've done tea and coffee. We check the uh, check the immense back catalogue. Mm-hmm. What idea. else should we do? Liquids, yeah, I like it. Yeah, liquids. Before Meganeka, we had what I would call a gentle remix of a track by John Baker, a remix by Pete Fowler, who was behind uh, an album which came out quite a while ago now called "The Sounds of Monsterism Island." That's a, a little bit of electronic noodling over John Baker's original track called "Milky Way." You can listen to the show at projectmoonbase.com or you can find us on the Stitcher app. We're also on Mixcloud and, of course, the mighty iTunes. Speaking of which, we have a review. Oh. Five stars. What in the world? Question mark. Five stars by TD Rash 77 from the United States. I don't know how I came across this podcast. Nobody does. <laughs> but I sure am glad I did. Two exclamation points. I don't know if I keep coming back for the music. <sighs> Or for the humour. The combination makes for a fun listen, always leaving you wanting more. Mm. Eh? And again, double exclamation points at the end of that. Good. Heartwarming. And this is, we've got another review. Superb! Exclamation point. Just the one exclamation point this time. Stickler there. Five stars. This is Nigel Marmite from the United Kingdom. An antidote to boring radio and music shows. PMB mixes witty banter. Steady on. With fantastic exotic and sometimes just plain weird music, it has led me on the path of enlightenment. (laughs) Well, maybe not enlightenment, but it always makes me laugh and has introduced me to some great music. Mm. There's also the possibility of having your sins absolved by the mighty orb. That's right. Raise it. True. If you can manage to make a small donation to the show. I like this. The guy's doing our work for us here. Hold on a minute, though. Hold on. Demarcation. Demarcation. It's not the mighty orb that does the absolution of sins. It's myself, the moon pope. It's right. It's the moon pope that does the absolution. The orb, praise it, just judges. (laughs) Keeps everything going. We have to keep the orb happy, Mm. praise it. Otherwise, it will probably explode or something terrible. The moon pope, a.k.a. DJ Dairy. (laughs) You have to keep him happy, too. (laughs) Is the one that may absolve you if he sees a donation. (laughs) Anyway, um, going back, as you're saying, he goes on. My life is enriched by listening to this show. Too much? Too over the top? I think I've gone too far now, he says. So there we go. Not at all. We enjoy a near hysterical endorsement as much as the next fame hungry Mm. space DJ. So thank you, Nigel, Marmite and TD Rash 77. And thank you, listeners, Mm. even though you didn't write a wonderful review for some reason. Well, the Moon Pope has also just been prompted to remember that we've received a second one-off donation from listener Michael Landon. So many thanks to you, Michael Landon, for for giving us your money twice. (laughs) Very kind, very kind. And you can donate. Listen, if you go to the show underneath each episode, you will see the mighty arrow of donation. You may click on it to your heart's content. You can donate to Project Moonbase and receive a throbbing from the orb. 
praise it, and the lunar blessings of the Moon Pope. I have been DJ Dairy, and I hope you found the show to be an emulsion of butterfat globules. I have been MC Milkman, and I hope you noticed the fat globules in some of these tracks contain yellow-orange keratine, enough to impart a golden or creamy hue to the episode. We are going to leave you with a lovely track which you can actually watch, perhaps at the same time, on the Project Moonbase website. And it's quite an instructional video, actually. Quite an instructional video. It is. Should you wish to learn how to milk a cow? In the 1970s. In the 1970s, yes. Contains a close-up of another. It does. Warning. Udder alert. Danger. There's also babies in there as well, so um, <laughs> danger. If you're allergic to... Well, you might be lactose intolerant and baby intolerant. That's right. In which case, don't watch it. But it's quite a charming look back into the 70s, how milk used to be made, <laughs> and how kind of weird folk, jazz, public service music used to accompany the production of milk, apparently. Yeah, so bring that back. More jazz in cow sheds. <laughs> yeah. Start the campaign. It's a lovely evocation of uh, 70s milk production mm. in a folk jazz style This is actually from Sesame Street, and it's simply called Milk Song. Until next week, dear listener, the Milky Bars are on us! Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Come on, here, come on!